Mighty God, we were blind, but now we see. Because you sent your Son, you sent your Spirit, because of your grace and love and mercy, we are saved, we're born again, and we can know you, God. We are so grateful. We want our worship to bless heaven. But God, we also want faith promised to be the grace place, the people who preach and teach the love of God, the people who walk in a manner worthy of the calling. God, would you light up every campus? Would you ignite your word, God? Would you, would you help us, God, to be planted in the house that we don't drop out, that we are faithful, and that, God, the people that we live next to, that we go to school with, the people on our ball teams and the people that work in the cubicle next to us and where we travel, they will see that we are different because of your grace and your love. So, God, we believe it and we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people said, Amen. come on. Is anybody glad to be in the house this weekend? Amen. Hello, promisers from all of our campuses. We welcome you. We're so glad you chose to worship with us. God, behind bars, we love you guys. I can't wait to be back out there with you guys. What a great time we had with you. Michelle and I, we just love this church. We are so blessed. Last weekend, Pastor Zach preached. Did he do a good job while I was gone? Somebody, okay. I'm pretty sure Zach's going to heaven if he doesn't run past it. Because I know he was excited as we listened to that message. But Michelle and I were at Faith Promise Costa Rica. And I just got to tell you, we were blown out of the water. Because of your faith and your generosity, you, none of us can get the full grasp of what God is doing globally because of what you guys do. And, and we were there and preached Friday and Saturday all day and Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and flew back out. But, man, kids are being saved. People are serving. It's unbelievable how that church is transforming that city of Cañas, Costa Rica. And it's because you guys are faithful. And God is blessing this church because we are faithful to his calling. Y'all believe that? His anointing is on us, man. It is so exciting. My last time I want to mention this, but I'm no dropout.com. I'm no dropout. 12 videos. It's a great thing to send to your friends and family, a different uh, leaders. Again, it's just a way to help you, give you more resources, stuff to put in your hands. So use that. It's the last weekend of the series. I'm no dropout. The, the series actually started because our kid children's pastor, Gina, uh, read this book and a couple other staff members have said, hey, we need to look at this and do a series. And so I, I just had our resource people order a bunch of these. They're Whatever we paid for them, that's what we're selling them for. They're at all of our campuses. This is the best, most practical book I've ever read about it, how to build a, a, a faith in your children that will last. Because we don't want to see our kids drop out. Your grandkids, great book. Hey, if you finish it and you're done with it, bring it back. Give it to resources. Say, just give this to someone who can't afford the book. And so they're there. Uh, if you want to grab one of those, I thoroughly enjoyed reading that book. It was great. And as we really worked on this series, this, ser this series began to develop a life of its own. And, and I want you to know that we pray a year ahead. We meet the campus pastors and management executive team, and we meet for days, and we talk about what does God want to say to us, where is God leading us, and, and we work on those. We, we begin to calendar those, and then months out, we're working on Scripture and the creative elements and all that that goes to creating a worship event for the weekend. But as we began developing this series, man, it was unbelievable the life that this series took. And, and th this series is so important for so many reasons. 
But one of them is, in the American church, dropouts are at an epidemic level. It's epidemic. And I'm not talking about San Francisco or L.A. or Chicago. I'm talking about Knoxville, Tennessee, the buckle of the Bible belt in the last census that the government took, 81% of the adults in Knox County said, I'm a nun, I have no faith, or I'm done with faith. 81 out of 100 adults said, I'm a nun or a done. Knoxville, Tennessee. You go to L.A., San Francisco, it'll get into the single digits. People who profess, hey, just people who say, I'm a part of Christianity. And so I don't know about you, but, man, as I look at the dropout rate around America, I'm no dropout. Is anybody with me? Anybody? Come on, I'm no dropout. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm no dropout. Man, I'm no dropout. And, and one of the twists that this series took, the life it began of its own, that just really what boggled our mind was, was the thought of this race that we talked about in finishing this race. And, and the, the, the thesis verse that erupted into our hearts was Matthew 10, 22, but you will be hated by all because of what? His name. Now, I want you to realize when Jesus spoke this in the first century, he had meant for the next 50 years, I mean, the, really 2,000 years, he said, if you're going to follow me, you need to realize they're going to hate you, they're going to kill you, they're going to stone you, they're going to persecute you, they're going to put you in prison, they're going to cut your head off, they're going to boil you in oil, they're going to feed you the lions. Nero would literally take a Christian, pour oil on them, put them on a pole and light them on fire, and they were the street lamps in Rome. And so Jesus said, even in the midst of how difficult it is, even in the midst of that, he said this, it is the one who has... Who has what? To thee, who will be. See, we have got it so backwards in America. In America where there is no persecution, in America where you can follow Jesus and worship publicly, nobody's going to, you know, the FBI's not going to be at your door. They're not going to throw you in prison. They're not going to fire you from your job. Even in that, we have dropouts. Imagine if we lived in this culture. And everybody's freaking out because the election, oh my, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do if Hillary or Donald gets elected? What are we going to do? We're going to do what we've always done. We're going to keep loving God. Come on, somebody, man. Because can I tell you, when Jesus spoke this, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are choir leaders compared to Caesar. Choir leaders. You guys, get, just listen, quit listening to the news. If you listen to CNN, they tell you if the Donald gets elected, we're going under. If you listen to Fox, they tell you if Hillary gets elected, we're going under. Listen, we're not going under. Man, is God not bigger than that? Listen, rise above. Rise up. We are not people of fear. We are people of faith, and we serve a God who holds the king's heart in his hand and turns it with us so which he will. So when you're freaking out, cut the radio off. Listen, go to, go to the Knox, go to Knox and New Sentinel. They wrote an article about us this past week. If you hadn't read it, it was amazing. There's some good news out there, but quit freaking out. Quit freaking out. Does this make sense? Those that endure the end. Now, listen, can you imagine sending Junior to school with an empty backpack? Can you imagine sending him to school with no pencils, no paper, no calculator, no homework? Could you imagine doing that? Mom and dad, would you do that? 
No. Now, he might lose the backpack from the front door to the bus <laughs> or from the door of the bus to the school. But, but what do we want to do? We want to send our kids with their backpack full because we want to prepare them. But how many of us have filled our eternal backpack up and we are prepared to walk through the pearly gates? How many of us? So I want to finish this series by talking about you got to load some faith in your backpack if you're not going to be a dropout. Hebrews 11:6, which is our theme for the entire year, and without faith it is hard. Without faith it's difficult. Without faith it's really hard. Without faith it's what? Impossible to do what? Please him. Do you want to please God? Do you want to finish the race? Then faith is essential. you got to put it in for the one that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, here's the key. An everyday faith, an everyday faith is essential to every day of our lives. Every day. See, if you only have a Sunday morning faith, you won't make it. If you only have a Sunday morning faith, you will be a dropout. If all you do is show up on Sunday and, and man, you bail, listen, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bail because too much stuff is going to happen. I'm going to say something to make you mad. Somebody's going to sit next to you with bad breath. There's going to be a greeter that's not going to w- welcome you. So you're going to pick your little one-year-old up and it's still going to have a poopy diaper. There's going to be something that's going to happen. And if you've only got a Sunday morning faith, you're going to bail. Are you with me? But you know what? You're, you're going to get offended. Somebody in your family offended you last week, didn't they? Did you bail on them? No, you don't bail on your family. Are we family? Are we family? You don't bail on family. Come on, we all get our feelings hurt. Y'all hurt mine sometimes. You ever think about that? You never walk, you never get in your car and say, I wonder if we hurt the pastor's feeling this morning. Oh, we get in the car. Can you believe what he said? I mean, what's he smoking? Or, come on. And so, but I'm not leaving. Amen? I'm committed. Are we committed? Are we committed to each other? Now, Jesus explains to us why people drop out. I want you to listen. If you're listening, say I am. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, who's the evil one? Who? Satan comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Satan is a seed stealer. He's a seed stealer. This is the one who the seed was four kinds of soils, four kinds of hearts, four kinds of minds. This is the seed that was sown by the road. It's, you know, the seed. what I'm doing right now. Hey, we're sowing seed. Every campus, internet, God, God behind bars, Blunt, North, Anderson, Pellissippi, Man, all, listen, we're sowing seed. And some of the seed's falling on the road, and the, and the enemy's snatching it up. The one that, then the seed that was sown on the rocky places, this is a man who hears the word and immediately does what? Receives it. I pray the prayer this morning. I want in, man. I, I want, they receive it with joy, yet it has no firm root in himself. It's only what? And what, what, what happens when, what, what happens? Our persecution occur, arise because of the word of God, immediately he drops out. He's a dropout. Why? Because somebody said something about him, a Christ follower. Jesus said, they'll hate you, they'll kill you, they'll put you in prison because of me. 
and the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, the third soil. This is the man who hears the word and the worries of the what? And the deceitfulness of what? Choke out the word and it becomes what? And the one whom the seed was sowed on the good soil, the man who hears it, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and brings forth a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Now, once you listen, right now, right now on our campus is Satan's stealing seed. This very second, some of you, the word of God is being sown, but you're so worried about the world about the election, about Obamacare, about who's going to get in the White House. You're so worried about the stock market or your 401K. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about the world. The worries of the what? Will choke out the Word of God. It's being choked out right now. Satan is stealing seed right this very moment. Some of you are worried that UT got spanked last night. That wasn't a ball game. That was a spanking. It's a little tea this morning. <laughs> Still a tea, just little. But see, listen, are more worried about that. And so what happens? A worried about the game and the next game, a worried and worried and worried. And the enemy steals the seed. It choked the weeds, choke it out right now. It's being choked out in some of you. Wake up. At my house, there's a there's a little circle that I have a tree and some some stuff, ferns, and, and I put four double knockout rose bushes. I love double knockouts because they start blooming early spring. They bloom all the way to December. And, I, man, I cleaned it out. I put plastic down, you know, put stuff so weeds wouldn't grow. But weeds will always find a way. I mean, weeds will find a way. So the weeds couldn't get through the plastic so the weeds began to move underneath these vines from hell, began to move around. And the only place they could find to come up was in the middle of my rose bushes. And I go out there one day, I said, what happened to my rose bush? It was covered with, the, with, with vines, not kutsu. It's a cousin to a kutsu. It's another demon. And I tried to start pulling those, those, those vines off my rose bush. I had four and I have two. Those vines killed our rose bushes. And if you're not careful, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and man, the affliction and the persecution will choke out the word of God and you will be a dropout and you will not finish the race. See, this is a bigger than a Sunday morning deal. Hey, hey, what if you only showered on Sunday morning? Would that be good? What if you only brushed your teeth on Sunday morning? Would that be nasty? green funk and hair growing. Wouldn't it be awful? Come on. Come on. You'd have to brush your teeth with a weed eater. A weed eater. Some of you do. All right. So here we Listen, what if you only ate on Sunday morning? Would you be hungry before the week was out? Well, we got to shower every day. We got to brush teeth every day. We got to get dressed every day. We got to eat every day. Listen, we had to have faith every day. Every day. We need to die to the Word of God every day, the Holy Spirit every day. It's why I wrote the book, The Plan of Your Life. It's why we wrote a book for you this year. I've got another book for you next year. Why? To help you engage so that you will grow. Does this make sense? I love what Gina McLean said, a children's pastor. She said, an everyday faith is Monday-minded. Most people who go to church in America, their faith is Sunday morning only. Sunday morning only. And that's why they're dropping like flies all across our country. 
So let me give you a hint. Parents, when you, when you get your kids and you go home and you're driving home, ask your kids, hey, tell me about the Bible story this morning. I don't care if they're three. Hey, tell me what you learned and promise kids. What was your favorite part? It could be the cracker. That's okay. Well, tell me, tell me about, tell me what your small group leader did. Hey, tell me, tell me about the story today. What was your, what would you learn today? Just engage them in faith. This makes sense. See, an everyday faith requires engagement. It requires you helping fill your kid's backpack up with faith and the word and the spirit so that they will not be dropouts. Now, in this series, the first week, we went from a decision, I raised my hand, to a disciple. I'm a 24-hour-a-day follower of Jesus. The second week, we went and we moved from, from a living and living and learning of faith at where? At home. And everyday faith flourishes best at home. And here's the deal. I know this is not politically correct, and I know we have a lot of single mothers, but listen, the best way that your kids can grow up is a mom and a dad in the home and a dad that loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. Not a perfect dad. Come on. A dad who loves God. And that love of God gets passed into his kids. And I know we've got a lot of single mothers, and that's why we so work on our kids' ministry and student ministries to get surrogate spiritual dads around your kids. But, I mean, it's just biblical, and it is every statistic proves it. If there's a dad in the house that just loves God, the kids are going to love God too. Does that make sense? And so it, it flourishes best. And on the third week, we talked about a faith that flourishes in the house of God. Pastor Zach preached on it last weekend. And listen, again, you got to be planted in the house. Don't quit. Don't drop out. Keep coming. Even if somebody hurts your feelings, even if somebody says something that bothers you, even if I say something you disagree with, I say things I disagree with. <laughs> Come on. So if you're looking for a perfect church, there's not one. It'll be perfect in heaven. You have a broken pastor, broken worship leaders, broken small group leaders, but we're all broken together, and we're going to learn to love God more, and we're going to learn to walk with joy and victory together in the house. Those that are planted in the house will flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. They will flourish like the palm tree. And so Paul warns us in Hebrews 10, verse 11, not forsaking our own what? as the habit of some is. In the first century, the first generation church, they were already dropping like flies. Why? Because of persecution and the seed stealer. As the habit of some has been encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why do we gather? To worship God, to encourage each other, to love each other. James chapter 2 says this, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no what? Now, listen, I'm all about grace, and salvation is by grace, but salvation that is true salvation will have works. It's good. In America, we got it backwards. I prayed a prayer. I can live like I want to. You are smoking crack. There's not a verse in the Bible. There's not one verse in the Bible. I've read it. Can that faith save him? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is what? No. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in, in the need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. Be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for the body. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? This is why people need to finish the race. This is why they got to say planted in the house. That's why we try to get every small group serving the community, all of us caring about our neighbor, all of us loving God to the point that it impacts our ball teams, our work, wherever we go. It, what use is that? 
Even so, faith that has no works is dead, being by itself. But if someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. I'll show you my faith by my what? That's how we know that people are born again. They finish the race. They have the works of God. You believe that God is one? Big deal. So does all of hell. The demons believe, and the Bible says they shudder. They're terrified of God. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith of that works is what? Useless. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by the works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. As we serve, as we grow together, our faith grows, and we fill our backpack. And the scripture was filled with says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as what? See, we've got to have faith. Now, we have tons of students and next-gen folks. We've got students and millennials. They're everywhere. And they're coming to this church. Let me tell you what they're looking for. They're looking for signs of an everyday faith. Because many of them grew up, not, didn't see it growing up. And many of them grew up in families that went to church. But they grew up in families that have a Sunday morning faith, not a seven-day faith. Does that make sense? So now they're coming to Faith Promise saying, hey, is this real? Are there signs of genuine Jesus seven days a week? Listen, Faith Promise, we are not a mirage. We will be the oasis of God in this wasteland. We will have hope and grace and love and help. That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to help those next gen put faith in the bag, man, because without faith it's impossible to please God. See, most people have a passable faith. A passable faith is talked about while an everyday faith is walked about. Jesus said, your lips are toward me, but your heart's far from me. Anybody can bump their gums, can't they? It's people that put some beat to some feet that actually walk and live it out. Romans 1, 17, the Word of God says, For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is as written, the righteous man shall live by what? By faith. Philippians chapter 2, Paul reminding the Philippian church, So then, my beloved, just as you have always what? Always what? Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's unbelievable to me, but we live in a in a in a uh, where truth is relative in this culture, right? It's relative. It can be true for you, not true for me. Well, I don't like that part of the Bible, so I don't believe that part of the Bible is real. It's, 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 it's unfathomable to me how, what people have done to the Word of God today. But see, you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at you to work and to will his good pleasure. It didn't say work for your salvation, but work from your salvation. Because you have been saved, it will work its way out into an everyday life. See, because in an everyday faith, it is constant, it is continuous, and it is contagious. And see, people are not looking for a religion. People are not looking to join a religion. They're not even looking to join a church. They're looking to join God. And how does that work? Because he put a God hole in us. How does that work? But see, it's, but what we believe in America, hey, I prayed a prayer a long time ago. It's not a prayer that you prayed in a moment. It's a lifestyle you live 24-7. And we're, if you're still on the Bible reading record with us, we're in the book of Jeremiah. And one of the things that Jeremiah was told by God over and over, Jeremiah do not omit one word that I told you because Jeremiah knew they hated him. And see, I don't care how much we preachers try to be God-pleasers, not man-pleasers. We want folks to like us. Does that make sense? 
And so we tend to leave out the last 2 or 3%. Are you with me? Because we don't make people mad. We want you to come back. We, we want you to be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That's the mantra of our culture. But, but here's the deal. I'm not leaving out a word. And we've got family and friends who, who, who prayed a prayer a long time ago who have not finished a journey. We are not burdened at all. Well, my, my uncle used to be a deacon. Jesus said, they will do miracles and cast out demons in my name, and they will stand before me, and I will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. There's no fear of God anymore. Is, is, that, is this right? We don't worry about our family and friends. Oh, no big deal. They're good. They're good. Hadn't been to church in 50 years. Don't love God. Don't love the Word of God. Don't love the things of God. Don't love the people of God. Don't love the God of the book. But they're okay. They're going to heaven. They prayed a prayer. There's not one verse in the Bible that says do that. Remember back, Paul said to his last paragraph in the second letter of Corinthians, hey, make your calling. He said, go ahead and do a test. Make sure you're in the faith. We are never told to, to prove our faith by looking backwards. It's always today. Is anybody out there? See, in everyday faith, it never ends. It's eternal. We got too much Sunday morning faith. You see, we've been, we're having baptisms at just about every service at every campus this weekend. And baptism is a symbol that you don't live like you used to live. You used to walk for yourself, now you walk for the Savior. You used to be about your glory and your story, and now it's about his glory and his story. Does that make sense? And so that now we're not, walking, we're not walking by sight, we're walking by faith. We are new. We've been born again. And so we, we show that by getting the waters of baptism, and it's unbelievable what all that God is doing. See, an everyday faith is not coerced, it's confessed. An everyday faith is not first, is not forced, forced, it's first. Does, it, does, this, does this make sense? Now, parents, let me, let me talk to you for a minute. Some of you, your kids don't want to come to church, especially if they're teenagers, and they say, I don't want to go anymore. And so now if there's two parents in the home, it's a battle. Are we going to make them go to church or not? Have y'all had that conversation? Are we going to make them go to church or not? Let me settle it for you. If their butt lives in your house, they go to his house. Are you with me? Are you with me? You say, but, but pastor, they're 40. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Did you pay the electric bill? Did they fill the refrigerator? No, they emptied the refrigerator and sucked the power. They're going to come to the house of God. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Some parents are mad because your kids don't want to come to church. That just should be a red flag. There's a way bigger problem. Because, see, if, it's a, if faith only matters on Sunday, it doesn't matter at all. So you need to find out why your kids don't want to go. Hey, talk to me about, you don't like the kids' ministry. You don't like the student ministry. Tell me why you don't want to go. You need to engage them. You need to dig in there and find out what's going on. Does this make sense? Because listen, son, let me just go ahead and, and let me go ahead and break a myth. Sunday's not God's day. Every day is God's day. Every day is God's day. Every way is God. Come on. It, he owns us all. So here's Jesus. He walks out in the chilly Jordan River to be baptized by John, the baptizer. And he didn't have any sin, but he goes out. And I baptize people. I'm taking a group of folks in March. If you want to go, I'll be baptizing probably 90 more people in the Jordan River, and it's cold. I'm just going to tell you now. 
And as Jesus stood out there and he was baptized by John, when he went out of the water, he didn't do the same thing. See, he had been in his stepfather Joseph's carpentry shop, and now he went public and he leaves the shop and he goes and he serves. He quit serving his stepdad and himself and began serving the father. See, when you walk out of the waters of baptism, it's not a, a one-day event. We are going to change how we live. Does this make sense? But, but, but let, me, let me ask you a question. Think with me. Which is easier, to endure to the end or drop out? Drop out. Endurance is not easy, is it? Now, if you've been in church for a year or more, you've watched dropouts. You've seen people. They come in. They get fired up. Man, they want to serve. They're just excited. This is the greatest thing they've ever seen. And three months later, six months later, two years later, they're gone. FBI couldn't find them. And you see them somewhere, and you say, hey, man, I haven't seen you. You're going to church anywhere. No. Now, what happened? I don't know. I can't believe the devil got me out of church. I can't believe. Well, come on back. No. See, there's soil one, two, and three. Soils one, two, and three. The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, persecution, affliction, those weeds choked out the word of God so that it became unfruitful. Unfruitful. Does this make sense? That's why it's so imperative that we finish the race. And let me give you an illustration of a guy who could have dropped out. His name was Joseph. He was Abraham's great-grandson. Anybody had a right to drop out, it was Joseph. Joseph, who was the father's favorite, is sent to go check on his 11 brothers. Now, remember, Joseph and his 11 brothers make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph and Judah and, Ish, you know, and, and Zebulun and Ishkar, they make up the 12 tribes that are still the 12 tribes of Israel today. And he goes out, and his brothers see him coming. They don't like him, so they stomp him into a mud hole. They just beat the crap out of it. I'm talking about a country stomping. And then they throw him in a hole in the ground, a cistern, which in the rainy season fills with water, but it's a dry season, so it's empty. So they throw him down, there's land at the bottom, beat up. Man, you know, listen, if anybody could have dropped out, it could have been Joseph right then. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been beat up by church people? Have you ever been beat up by church people? If you haven't, you haven't been around church long. Because I was a drug, de drug dealer and a dope addict. And I've been in the ministry 35 years, and I have had church people beat me worse than I ever thought about when I was selling drugs. Are you with me? And so, it's, so if, you, if you will, those church people to drive you out of here. But just, I, had a, I, had, I, email me, I had a lady email me and said, hey, I was getting in my car after church, and a bunch of people, man, they got in their van, they were cussing and smoking cigarettes. I just typed back, thank God they're here. Thank God they're here. Come on. Thank God they're here. I get, man, I get, hey, I got, I, I've got an email. Hey, somebody pulled in front of me at Chick-fil-A. Cut me off and had a faith promise sticker. Preach on that. I am. I'm going to preach on patience and love. Shut up and let them in. Come on. Just mad, an email this long. I only read it goes for humor. I mean, this blows my mind. People get, Michelle and I, some other day, somebody walked right in front of me. I looked at it and said, they're more important than us. That's what I say every time. They're more important. They're busy, honey. You don't understand who those people are. Because she says, hit them. <laughs> Just punch them. 
Oh, see that? I said, really? Not very often. <laughs> so here's Joseph. Now he's sold into slavery, right? He, they, so he's in the hole, beaten up by his brothers. The Ishmaelites are on their way to Egypt. They say, hey, come here, come here, come here. How much you pass for the dude in the hole? And they literally negotiate. We'll give you 20 Oh, come on, 30 man. Finally, okay, sold. They take him out. They load him up. They take him. They sell him in Potiphar. He's serving in Potiphar's house as a slave. Potiphar's wife wants to have sex. Joseph says, no, I will not sin against God. She accuses him of rape. He's found guilty, thrown in the dungeon for 22 years. He is either a slave or a prisoner in the dungeon. Now, let me tell you what he never did once. Listen, never once did he blame God. People that blame God for their problems will be dropouts in the end. Well, I serve God. I can't believe God let that happen. Man, I give my money. I tithe. I can't believe that happened. Listen, they crucified Jesus. They crucified Peter upside down. They cut Paul's head off. They, they cut James's head off. They stoned Stephen with rocks. What makes us better? In this world, you're going to have some tribulation. Endure to the end because they'll hate you for my name. Listen, Joseph never left his backpack. You know why? Because Joseph had a faith that was built to last. He was a he was a Matthew 3, 23, man. That soil fell on that seed fell on good soil and produced. So let me ask you a question. Are you taking Jesus home with you? Are you taking Jesus home with you? Because we we come to the house of God, but it doesn't mean God lives here. I mean, what do you think he does Monday through Saturday? Play the drums? <laughs> Walk the halls? Well, I can't wait for them to get back. <laughs> really miss them. Wish I was there. They're on vacation. Why didn't they take me? No, Jesus is in you. Wherever we gather for worship is the house of God. And so you got to take Jesus home. If the Sunday morning's all you got, you don't have enough faith to endure to the end. But you need to plant in the house of God so that your faith can grow and flourish. So there's some of you that have never given your heart to Jesus. And, man, you want a faith that's an everyday faith. So right now, with every head by every eye closed, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to forgive you of your sins, he's ready to come in. This is just the beginning. So if you're ready, pray with us. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've failed. And I am so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my master. Today I begin. Give me a faith to the end. An everyday faith that endures no matter what. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, hey, do we serve a God who's worthy of worship? Who's worthy of worship? So if you would, let's stand, and we're going to worship some more. We switched it around. It's not over. So, well, this is not what we normally do. We like to change it up. Just acoustic worship. Because, listen, worship doesn't just happen. We, you can take worship home. So let's celebrate the God who's worthy to be worshiped.